Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherbourne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our Sunday worship services each week at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Enjoy the sermon. Our reading is from Vogue magazine, March 1953. There are the movers and shakers of the world, and then there are the menders. The menders are the innocent and wise. They are innocent of cynicism and despair, and they are wise in not waiting for the world to be otherwise than it is. They patch up the wounds the world inflicts on itself without question and without grimace. The greater half of the world, when something is broken, has the instinct to throw it away and get a new one. But that lesser, better half has the instinct to mend it, to make it well. Friends, just take a deep breath uh, with me. All week, we, um, we breathe in shallow ways, don't we? Just trying to get through the week. And we breathe into this world that we live in, how beautiful it can be, how terrible it can be. And yet we try to keep our hearts tender and our eyes open and our words true. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against destruction. I wonder if you could just say that with me this morning. We bear witness against destruction. And then we gather in community to practice being the people that we're trying to be cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is never nothing. So as Leonard Cohen, of course, the beautiful song that he wrote, and he reminds us every Sunday that I'm with you, ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering, there is a crack in everything. That, say with me, is how the light gets in. I said to you a couple um, Sundays ago how much it um, impacts me when I'm here with you, not preaching to you, preaching with you. There's a really important difference in that word as we live in conversation with each other, with one another, and with the world that we live in. That's what we do. And it just, when you're here and you tell me through the camera in the ways that you do, you tell me later by email the ways that worship impact you, I cannot tell you enough how much it means to those of us who stand before you week after week, Jason, Sarah, everybody, and try to offer something of our spirit to your spirit. I cannot tell you how much it makes a difference. 
So last Monday on the 21st, two days before Russia invaded Ukraine, despite their protest that such an idea was needless fear-mongering, do you remember hearing this? By Biden and the rest of NATO, and despite the fact that Russia had surrounded three-fourths of the country of Ukraine with 200,000 soldiers, 30%, and I want us to remember this, 30% of whom are conscripted soldiers and who are wondering and asking why they have to fight against their fellow Slavic siblings. So last Monday, I open up my, um, in my family, I have the oldest iPad handed down to me through everyone else. Karen got, it says in the back, I got it for Karen for her birthday like 30 years ago. And then <laughs> I gave it, and then Emerson got it, and then Ella got it, and then I think the dog got it, and then now I have it. <laughs> so I open up, I have the app. It's only, I have one app on this thing because it's so old and it's so heavy to the Globe app on my uh, iPad. And I see on, um, on the iPad the full spread photo of Dr. Paul Farmer. He was an anthropologist, a physician, a humanitarian. He delivered amazing health care to some of the world's poorest people. And who once said these things? Well, I want you to listen to these things in the context of what's happening in the world right now. He said, I'm not cynical at all. Cynicism is a dead end. He said, also, medicine ought to be viewed as social justice work in a world that is so sick and riven with inequalities. And then listen to what he said, too. He said, I go to bed every night worrying about the promises that I have made. And then I get up in the morning thinking, we haven't made enough promises. The story goes on to say that he had died in his sleep, 62 years old, from a cardiac event in Rwanda where he was living. So I got my iPad, and I think that NPR is on or something. And the prayer that I uttered when I read this sounded something exactly like this. God, what the actual hell? In the background, NPR cut to an interview with Dr. Fauci, who in the interview broke down in tears, saying, Paul called me a mentor, but in matter of fact, he was mine. We were soul brothers. And then Dr. Rochelle Walensky came on saying, so many people are alive because of that man. And I think I heard her voice trembling too. And then I just, um, I just shut everything off. And I folded up the electronic paper And I took the dog out, shock out for a long, I'm fed up with everything kind of walk. You ever been on one of those walks? I think I'm fed up, everybody. 
Are you kind of? I actually, I was thinking, I was working on this yesterday, I was thinking that it's kind of a shocking realization. I think I've been fed up since 2016. (laughs) As the Trump era began, and I'll never forget the Sunday after that election in November. I mean, this is pre-pandemic. I think there were like well over 200 people here. And it felt like a funeral service for hope. And then all like the, the racism and the xenophobia. So that happened. And then the pandemic, and then the politics of the pandemic. I'm sorry to abuse you with all of this, just reminders, but I just want to, like, I'm trying to notice myself. Why am I fed up? Why are we fed up? And the constant battles over masks and guidance and the now choose-your-own-adventure vibe that we have going on. Remember those books? As we all try to distinguish between what real, what quote-unquote, real risk is versus what our anxiety about risk is. And we all weigh the cost-benefit analysis, which is a phrase that just makes me want to, it just makes me nauseous. The cost-benefit analysis between being physically safe and healthy, quote-unquote, on the one hand, And then also the consequences of the things we've had to do to be physically safe, the consequences on our psyche, on our soul, on our spirit, on our mental health. I mean, I'm worried about some of us, about the toll this tension has taken. Like it, it, it weighs me down. Anyway, six years is a long time to be fed up. Like it leaves a mark. I, I want you to notice this furrow. Because if you go back on the videos to 2015, 14, I don't think it was there. And the reason that I think I felt the wince of Paul Farmer's death more, it's not like I was a big, like, it's not, I don't have posters of Paul Farmer in my bedroom. It's not like I'm a, like a, a big public health aficionado. But the reason that I think I felt the wince on Monday, a week ago tomorrow, was I didn't appreciate just how much the background of my spirit has been leaning on the bedrock of people like him. I didn't realize how the background of my spirit was leaning on the bedrock of people like him. Nora Kempner, who read, and she wrote, the, the, along with the Worship Associates, wrote the beautiful theme this month. And there are some in the back. I, I commend it to you. In the reading that Nora found from Vogue magazine, you guys, says, talks about people like Paul as the menders. 
There are the movers and the shakers in the world. They get all the fanfare. They get all the parties. They get all the headlines most of the time. But then there are the menders, Nora read for us. Listen, who are innocent of despair and cynicism. And listen here. And don't wait for the world to be otherwise than it is. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I want to be like that when I grow up. Do you? I feel like we need all of the menders that we can get our hands on right now. Because there are so many destroyers. And it doesn't feel fair when they have been taken from us. I was noting yesterday this feeling that I have about feeling fed up and this longing I have about things being fair, quote unquote, fair. I know the world and life isn't fair. I mean, this job, as Jason is discovering, this work of ministry in particular, disabuses you of how things, quote unquote, happen for a reason and how things are fair. Anyway, but it doesn't release me from wanting to believe in things being fair. I want to believe what I hope. And what I hope is that the menders, like Paul Farmer, will live forever. And the destroyers will not. So the first time that I heard about Dr. Farmer was 2003. I just started here. And Ella, who's now almost 19, was a baby. And I would give sermons up here, and I would, I, I would go like this because she didn't sleep for like two years. And this is the only thing that would sort of help soothe her. And then I would get up here, and I would just do this. <laughs> I think Sally Downler, who's the chair of the search committee, would go, Nathan, stop. You're making me seasick. <laughs> and I was exhausted. I was exhausted by being a new dad, you know, exhausted by trying to figure out how to do this job. I probably have a furrow from that experience, too. But I read the book that I know I'm sure many of you have read it. And if you haven't read it, I want you to hear this sermon as a, um, can I say a command to read this book in this moment in the world? It's called Mountains Beyond Mountains, The Quest of Dr. Paul, Paul Farmer, A Man Who Would Cure the World. And the title comes from a Haitian proverb. Haiti, where a farmer devoted so much of his time. And the proverb says this, as soon, listen to this, as soon as you solve one problem, another will present itself. Like, I always thought the title's like, oh, Mountains Beyond Mountains is beautiful. It's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> There's just another problem. The proverb, it sounds discouraging. But the reason the book was titled that is because it points to how people like Dr. Paul, let's call him Dr. Paul, 
how they live in the midst of problems, one after the other. And remember, don't succumb to cynicism. I don't believe in cynicism, he said. Cynicism is a dead end in the world of mountains, beyond mountains, beyond mountains. So this week, after the fed-up walk, and I was feeling like you're feeling like we're looking at mountains beyond mountains over the horizon, I picked up the book again. And I want us to listen to this particular story about him. First, he said, Tracy Kidder's the author. Tracy says, Farmer tells his students that to be a good clinician, you must never let a patient know that you have problems too or that you're in a hurry. I love that. When someone is talking to you and before you, to never let them know that, and you don't have to be a doctor or a nurse, to never let them know that you're in a hurry. And then... Kidder tells the story of Dr. Paul in Haiti. And a sad-faced young man takes a seat beside farmers. So just imagine it's like, I've been in the Caribbean, I haven't been to, to Haiti, but it's like hot. It, it's like impressively hot. There's no breeze. And they're in an office there. And the young man is staring down at his feet and he has ragged running shoes and they're split at the heel. His name is T. Ofa. He's a young man. Young man. He has AIDS. Now, when Farmer is on duty at the Brigham, because remember, he worked part-time at Brigham and Women's Hospital here in Boston, he runs the AIDS clinic. And he's handling T. Ofa's case just like he would here in Boston. The clinic, however, does not have the ability to measure viral loads or CD4 counts. And Farmer knows that the virus is about to begin its, he says, his end game with Teofa. Teofa tells Dr. Farmer, Dr. Paul, Dr. Paul, I'm ashamed. And Dr. Paul says back, look, Teofa, anybody can catch this. This is not your fault. And then he opens a drawer and he pulls out a big bottle of pills. And it contains, I'm going to even pronounce this right, indinavir, one of the new protease inhibitors used for treating AIDS. No one, this is what I want us to hear about the story, no one in Haiti, no one in impoverished countries in general are treating people like Teofa with antiretroviral drugs. No one. Even farmers' colleagues in Haiti 
think he's crazy to take on treating AIDS this way. Why? Because each cycle of medicine costs $5,000, U.S. dollars, to treat a patient per year. I don't believe in cynicism. Cynicism is a dead end, he says. So he starts Teofa and other patients on a triple therapy. A few months prior to his meeting Teofa, Paul was in here in Cambridge, and he gave a speech to a group called Massachusetts Cares About AIDS. Okay, so it's this big, like, big event. And he gets in front of them, he gets in front of them, and he says, Maybe you guys care about AIDS. Maybe, but not enough. You don't care about AIDS enough. And after the speech at his suggestion, health workers in the audience, AIDS patients themselves, collect a huge amount of unused AIDS medication and end up with enough to treat more patients at Farmer's Hospital in Haiti. That then inspired grants to obtain a larger supply. They'll find the money, Farmer said. Of course, we will find the money. I don't believe in cynicism. Cynicism is a dead end. So he holds up this bottle for Teofa to see and he rattles it with the pills inside. And he tells him to start, he's going to start treating him with this new medication. It won't eradicate the HIV from his body, but it will eradicate the symptoms. And if he's lucky, he will live many years as if he had never been infected at all. Teofa hears all of this, and he, he just looks down at his shoes again, his, his ratty shoes. Farmer leans into him, and he says, Teofa, Maybe he says to us, don't be discouraged. And then Teofa looks up and he says, you know, just talking to you makes me feel better. Now I'll sleep tonight. He tells Dr. Paul, my situation has been so bad. I keep hurting my head because we live in a small crowded house. We only have one bed. Listen, you guys, one bed, so I sleep under the bed. And I forget, and I wake up and I hit my head on the boards during the night. I will not forget what you did for me, Dr. Paul. When I was sick and no one would touch me, you would sit on the side of the bed with your hands on my head. They had to tie up the dogs in my village, Dr. Paul, because you walked around so late to see sick people. Teofa declares, Dr. Paul, I want to give you a chicken. <laughs> Dr. Paul says, you have already given me so very much. 
The best thing you can do is to sleep well tonight. What a soul this man had, everybody. In his obituary in New York Times, which is a beautiful obituary, his friend and board director of Partners in Health said, he had such a tender heart. Seeing pain and suffering was so hard for him. It hurt him. I'm a social worker by training, his friend said. One thing that I learn about is being detached. He wasn't detached, however, from anybody. That's the beauty of him. What I want to, the reason I want to lift up Dr. Paul Farmer this morning is not to beatify this person, but to tell you about the impact rereading about somebody like him has had on me this week. And I, and I hope you too. As reading about Teofa and Dr. Paul as we look out at mountains, beyond mountains. As we hear about somebody giving care that other people thought was unreasonable and crazy, about not being detached, everybody. About not being detached. When I listened to this and I reread the book, or parts of the book this week, what I noticed is that I started to lean I mean, what's the posture of fed up? You're just like, right? Like you just, you step back. Maybe you say a few words you shouldn't say, especially in church. You just, whatever. What I noticed when I was reading him was that I, I noticed that I started to lean back in. Do you know you lean in when you want to nurture your curiosity, to nurture your care. You lean in. I noticed myself sort of renewed to lean into sort of the hard stuff that I have going on. Lean into the hard stuff that I know many of you have going on. I started leaning back into the stories about Ukraine. Like just almost like forcing myself to not be detached. I want to lean in to the wild work of being unreasonable about my efforts to mend and your efforts to mend. Think about that, to be unreasonable about your expectations for healing. I mean, you've all got people and places and things in your life that need mending. I know you do. It could be with a parent, it could be with a spouse, a partner, a friend, a child, the world. You know where the healing in your life is waiting to happen. Lean in. I get from Dr. Paul the, the feeling that I have about being unsettled. 
okay? The feeling that you have about being unsettled and being fed up with the way that the world is is not a feeling to resolve. It's a feeling to motivate. That's what I get from Dr. Paul Farmer. The goal of life, of us, especially for those of us in privileged spaces, is not to be free of being fed up. Not all the time. Yeah, we need to chill, we need to relax, we need to find grace, we need to rest. But the urgency and the disappointment that we feel, that I feel, that you feel, is kind of like a clue to keep us leaning in. Friends, there are mountains beyond mountains, beyond mountains, beyond mountains, beyond mountains. Um, the view is, is complicated. I want to go to bed worrying about the promises that we've made. And I want to get up in the morning worrying that we haven't made enough promises. I want to live like that. What promises do you want to make? I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. I know that there are. What promises do you want to keep? And I want to know if you're ready to lean in. And you can just raise your hand. Thank you, Dr. Paul.